Praise the Lord. Welcome to the official GVPC podcast. My name is Pastor Chris Keats. I am the pastor of Gila Valley Pentecostal Church in Safford, Arizona. We're so glad to have you here listening to this podcast. We pray that it richly blesses you. And God bless you. teaching on it and I enjoy it. I told Brother O'Brien today we were talking about this very subject and I told him sometimes I just get to reading and studying and start teaching on that and I said I enjoy it. I don't know if they do but I enjoy it. So Amen. But a little preview to the birth of Moses and I'm not going to go too far back or take too long on this but if you have read the book of Genesis you'll, you'll find out that the people of Israel. And, and Israel, the name comes from a man by the name of Jacob. Abraham was the original. He was the, he was the father. They talk about Father Abraham. He came out of the earth of the Chaldees. And, uh, and then he had, he had a son named Isaac. And Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob. And Jacob was the one that later on, after he wrestled with an angel, God said, your name is no longer Jacob, which means supplanter or deceiver. But now it is Israel, which means a prince with power with God and with man. And, uh, and so the people of Israel were there in the land of Canaan. That was where God had sent them. That was where God had promised them. And, um, and so they, um, uh, from there, uh, they, th there was a lot of different things to happen. I'm not going to all the detail. You need to go and read the story of Joseph. You really ought to read the story of Joseph. And, uh, and it's just... It's so fascinating, some of the things. I was talking to somebody, my wife or somebody, and I said, you know, you know, whenever, whenever David was on the roof and he looked down at Bathsheba, he took advantage of the situation. Whenever, uh, whenever Joseph was in the house of Potiphar and the opportunity was presented to him, he ran. What a difference between. It just was fascinating how that he, he was such a man of principle. He probably could have been a little more tactful in the way he told his brothers about the dreams and such like. I believe I told my wife, I would probably want to kill him too if I was his brother. But uh, uh, it was just, you'd have to read the story. Amen. And you, 
you really, if you don't know these truths, you need to read the Bible. You need to sit down and read the Bible. Uh, and, and, and if you haven't done it, start today. Get down and start Genesis 1 and read the scripture. And you'll find there's so much riches in the word of God. But anyway, so there's a famine in the land. Joseph has ended up in Egypt because his, his brothers have sold him down the river, so to speak. And uh, ends up in Egypt. God put him there. Joseph is very much a type of Jesus Christ. Amen. He was put there. He, he, was, he, was, he was put in a, a terrible situation for the deliverance of his people. And, uh, and so there's, it's just fascinating how you find these types and shadows of Christ throughout the scripture. And, uh, and so you find Joseph there. He was put there like Esther was for such a time as this. He was put there so that God would, would during when the famine came, that there would be a door of opportunity. And the people of Israel left Canaan. All the sons, there was a whole bunch of them. All the sons and all the grandchildren and all the daughters and everybody, they left Canaan because of a famine in the land. Joseph had went to Egypt. He had become a great leader in Egypt, second to Pharaoh, and, uh, and he was something else. And so the people of Israel moved into Egypt and settled there in the land of Goshen. I think it was intended in their minds to be a temporary thing. 400 years later, they're still there. And after a couple of hundred years, after a while, the Bible says that there was a Pharaoh that rose up that knew not Joseph. He didn't only not know Joseph, but he, if he knew the stories of Joseph, he couldn't care less. Amen. And they were not, they, and probably a couple hundred years after that, this began to happen. And all of these years, the people of Israel came in. They had their cattle. They took care of the Pharaoh's cattle. Um, they, they had their sheep. They had all of these things. And, uh, and they were... And, and here's something. I want to be careful how I say this because I don't want it to sound bad. But Jewish people are very industrious people. They know how to make money. I, I don't care. It's not anti-Semitic to say that. I think it's a compliment. Yeah. The people know how to do things. Yeah. They're smart. Yeah. Some of the most intelligent people in the world. People hate him for it, but they, they know how to do this kind of stuff. Man, these guys, yeah. it's unbelievable the stuff they'll, they'll do. And wherever they go, they prosper. And this has been a problem for so many years because the Jewish people will go into an area and, uh, and they'll, they'll build businesses and they'll, they'll you know, I mean, they'll, they'll run the money deal. They're just the way they are. And folks begin to resent them and then they kill them and stuff like that. But anyway... But uh, so this kind of happened there. They got, they got, um, they were doing well. But the thing about it was, was they weren't only doing well for themselves. And this is what a lot of people don't understand. Whenever certain groups come into a neighborhood and, and do well, usually they help the neighborhood too. They, they usually do. And not only were the Hebrews doing well in Egypt, but everybody else was doing well. It was doing good. But, but the, the, um, the, Pharaoh came along and he decided he wanted to change the dynamics of the situation. So he enslaved the Jews that were there, the Hebrews that were there. And, and the scripture, you know, after all these years of profiting on the Hebrews, he began to look at them and they're growing and still prospering. They're still doing well. They're building cities. Amen. Treasure cities for the Pharaohs. But they're doing well. And he says, we've got to do something about these guys. So the Bible says that the Egyptians made the children of Israel 
serve with rigor. And that word literally means breaking. In other words, the Pharaoh decided that he was going to break them, break them physically, break them spiritually, break them, them uh, emotionally and mentally, and bring them down to a place where they were a helpless people, a broken people. I'm not talking in a spiritual sense here, but I'm talking about a broken people. If you can break the will and the spirit of people, they become subservient. That's why you have... You, you would have um, Joseph Stalin went into, uh, in, into Russia and the Soviet Union and he broke the spirit and the will of so many of those people. And they would do anything because they were so afraid and so full of fear. And, and Hitler did the same thing in, in certain areas. And I've watched through the years the genocides. I, I was reading about genocides uh, today, the Armenian genocide when the Turks uh, killed anywhere from one to three million. The, the Biafra genocide, which was a, a terrible thing. Um, um, uh, the, the Bengali genocide. Millions of people, they break the will and the spirit. And after a while, people just, you know, do whatever they say. And, uh, uh, and, and it's just a terrible thing. But the thing is, is these were God's chosen. And God was not going to let it stay this way. So in the midst of this situation, and, and there, there's a couple things I want to cover here, but one of them in particular, um, the, the king or the Pharaoh looks at, the Bible says, the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives. And here's another one of these little fascinating tidbits. Uh, there's there's uh, those little details that God throws into the word of God. In this case, he names them. There was uh, uh, Shimra, uh, Shifra, Shifra, and the name of the other was Pua. There were these two Hebrew uh, midwives. There were women that, uh, that delivered the babies uh, for the Hebrews. And he told them, when you do the office of a midwife, to the Hebrew women, see them, and see them when they're in the stools, when they're bearing the children. If it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, she shall live. He knew that if they, that, that, that this group of people were rising up and getting stronger every day. And the last thing he wanted was more, more men that could stand up with a sword and a spear and fight against him. And so, and, and, but the scripture tells us, but the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but save the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called them and said, why have you done this thing? And why have you saved the men children alive? And the midwife said to the Pharaoh, might have been all stretching the truth here, because the women, Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and they deliver before we even get there. Amen. Amen. So here what we have is we have two women. The Bible says, because they feared God. Amen. Amen. Because they feared God. They feared God. They respected God. They loved God. They were committed to God more than they feared the king. Yes. I'm going to tell you all something. When a church, when a church gets to the place that their commitment and devotion is to God so much that they don't fear the government, they don't fear, and I'm not speaking out against the government. I'm not even getting into politics. I'm just saying this. When it gets to the place, that take the whole world, but give me Jesus. As far as I'm concerned, tell me not to preach, I'm going to preach. Tell me not to pray, 
Yeah, he just says, I'm going to pray anyways. Right. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Tell me that I can't, that I can't uh, preach this doctrine. Now, what shall we do, they said? Shall we obey God or shall we obey man? Amen. When a church or people gets to that place, something begins to happen. And the Hebrew midwives looked at the king said, ah, uh, whatever you say, king. But in their heart, they said, there is no way. Because God is the one that matters. Yes. So, yes. and so they went on. And this is fascinating because they honored God. God honored them. Yes. Therefore, God dealt with, dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. Now, I read something today that was fascinating. <clears throat> and they said that most, maybe not all, but most of midwives during that time, the reason they did what they did and the reason they had taken this job, if you will, was because they were barren women. They were barren women. They, many of them were midwives. And, and if you can imagine how this is, they, they could not have children. They did not have children. And um, and they and so, but they loved children, and they found such a joy in being there at the birth of children. But you can imagine the pain that they felt when they would take that beautiful child. And I and I stood in bells yesterday, and I looked at a little girl, and and I. And I was talking to the parent, and I, I thought of the possibility, about 10 months old, 8 months old, I believe, the possibility of this little girl without God where she could end up. And I had to stop talking for a minute because I'm about to start crying. You know how I've gotten emotional. I'm standing there, I'm looking at that. I'm talking about coming to church. But, uh, so, but they take these babies, and they look at these beautiful little babies, and, uh, and then they hand them back to the mama. And uh, so the pain there, it must be that. But the Bible says this, and this is fascinating because I've read it before, and I got to do a little study, and I feel there's a, little, a lot of different ideas about what it means, but I feel this is what it means. The Bible says, and it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. And, and it can be interpreted as households or families. Wow. They honored God and God said, I'm going to give you children. Wow. Because you too. Now you think about that. Are you barren in your life? God wants to give you children. Come on now. Come on, that's good. Have you struggled spiritually? Honor God. Fear God. Serve God. God wants to give you children. Amen. 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 So here we are. What a great story. I love that. And I could, I could almost stop right there and preach on that for a while, but I won't. But what a great deal. They've, uh, they've got this place. And, and, uh, and then along comes, the Bible says, in the beginning that a, a man of Levi, his name was Amram, Amram, and his wife's name was Jochebed. 
and they bear three children. One was Aaron, one was uh, Miriam, and then there was probably the baby brother, which was Moses, that was born to Jochebed. And so, <clears throat> you, you probably know the story. If you don't, I'm going to tell you this again. Get a Bible and read it. If you can't read, there are apps on your phone that you can listen to. And a lot of my stuff is done listening. Amen. And, uh, and so, get it. So, it's not on the story, like I say, read. But, so what, what happens is, we're, we're dealing with a point where, you know, they're throwing kids in the mile and now the alligators eat them, crocodiles eat them. And, and they're killing the boys. And, and, uh, <coughs> and it's fascinating because there's a little bit of a, a type of, of Christ here, too. Because if you look at when Christ was born, who is the deliverer? Very much a type, in fact, who was the deliverer. Herod went in and killed all the boys under two years old. And Pharaoh was doing the same thing. And maybe he didn't understand the deliverer was going to rise out of Israel. But the, the, the work is the same uh, cause. So they, they took his mom after three months, looked and noticed, realized he was a goodly child. Now, <clears throat> I, I wonder about some of us, if, if our mothers were in that kind of situation, if they look at us and say, now nah, you ain't a goodly child. <laughs> that one's as ugly as a mud fence. Yeah. <laughs> no, all children are beautiful. My, my dad used to say, he said, he said, all babies are not beautiful. All the babies around here are beautiful. But he said, not all babies are beautiful. He said, some of them are just ugly. But... Um, <laughs> He said, he said, parents come, bring, bring uh, them babies up and, and, uh, and say, look at her baby. And he'd say, he looked at him and he said, I didn't want to lie and say he's a beautiful baby. I'd say, that's a real baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that right there is a beautiful baby right there. Amen. <laughs> I'm telling you, I... Of course, I, 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 babies are just gorgeous to me. I, I, it, they, they really touch my heart. But so, look at goodly child, and and so she's trying to figure out what she did is going to do. So she built an ark, and that way, if somebody asks you about uh, knowing the ark, and you get confused and say Moses in the ark, you're not completely wrong. She built a little ark um, out of bulrushes and uh, pitched it with tar, and put him in it, and put him in the Nile River. Now. She knew what she was doing. I suspect she even knew where she was putting him. And Miriam, her sister, was following along. And, and, they, and I'm going to tell you why I suspect this. I suspect that, the, that Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, went down on a daily or weekly or wherever, however often she took a bath and went down to the Nile and took a bath. And people knew about that. You know? and, and so she thought, I'm going to try something. Uh, I've heard rumors that, that Pharaoh's daughter was barren herself. And uh, so here we go. We're going to save this baby by this. So they put the baby and Moses floats down the, the, uh, the uh, river and comes floating. And Pharaoh's daughter picks him up, opens up, he cries. And I mean, heart just melts. I mean, it's, just, it's all over, boys and girls. So she takes him into his house. And the neat thing about it was, was Pharaoh's daughter was a very busy person. And 
she's like, what do I do with this baby? I can't, I can't just throw it back in the river. And a little girl comes up and says, hey, I know somebody who can nurse him for you. Hey, that's a good idea. It's all, what coincidence? There wasn't any coincidence involved here. God knew what he was doing, and so did uh, Jochebed and Mary. So he goes, and, uh, and I'm not going to tell the whole story of Moses. I don't have the time to go through it, but I'm going to try to get through some of it. So he goes, and uh, he ends up in the, in the house of, of Pharaoh. It's kind of fascinating about his raising in the house of Pharaoh. Um, Pharaoh's daughter called him Moses because he drew, she drew him out of the water. And the scripture tells us in Acts 7th chapter and the 22nd verse. Number one, I want to mention a couple things about his time in the house of Pharaoh's daughter. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, that's Acts 7, 22, and was mighty in words and deeds. Right. This, uh, this was when Stephen was preaching. He yeah. talked about this. And I had, uh, uh, I, today when I was talking to Brother O'Brien, I mentioned Moses. He said, oh, let me tell you something I just read. And he read it to me. I said, well, you know, I haven't used that. <laughs> but he was mighty in words and deeds. And actually went along real good with some things that I was thinking about. You look at, you look at Moses in the time See, there are three segments of Moses' lives. Can anybody tell me the time periods of Moses, the three segments? There are three segments of Moses' life. And they're all the same. Oh, they're all the same? Yeah. No, no. There was the first segment, the second segment, and the third segment. And they're all the same amount of oh. years. So he, in, in Egypt, in Pharaoh's house, uh -huh. in the wilderness, and then... Right. Out. How many years was it? 40. 40. 40. He was 40 years in Pharaoh's daughter's home. He was 40 years in Midian in the backside of the desert. He was 40 years leading the people of Israel before he died. He died at 20 years old. And so that's kind of an interesting thing to know. Somebody asked you. They probably won't anytime soon. But if somebody asks you, you can tell them that. But uh, volunteer the information. It'll make you sound smart. But uh, so, but yes, 40 years. So he's here, he's 40 years old when he left Pharaoh's home. And, uh, and so here we've got Moses. The Bible says that he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Moses did not waste his time in the house of Pharaoh. He went to college, if you will. He learned all the wisdom. He understood all of this stuff. Whatever kind of scientific advancements, that they had, he knew at least something about it. He understood the ideas of, he, he, was, he was very well versed in the agricultural concepts. And Nile would come and flood and bring the sediment from way up in the mountains of Africa. And he understood how all of that stuff worked. He even understood the gods of, he had to. He was in the home where all of this was going on. And, and so on and on and on. But another thing that he understood, Josephus tells this, Josephus is a Jewish historian who sometimes was a little well anyway Josephus was like a lot of Jewish historians you never knew exactly if they were telling a real story it's kind of like Fox's Book of Martyrs and stuff or if they were telling a story they made off the top of their head but anyway so or if they were repeating uh, oral tradition and so uh, you just kind of take a lot of this with a grain of salt however uh, historians do believe that this could be 
uh, true. Josephus tells us that Moses was not just a guy that sat around the house of Pharaoh, but he was also a great military leader. And you tend to look at Acts 7, chapter 27, verse, where he says he was mighty in words and in deeds. So there were things that happened while he was in the house of Pharaoh. And uh, in fact, it's, there was a war between Ethiopia and, um, and Egypt. And Moses led the campaign against the Ethiopians. And the story has been told that he besieged the city of the Ethiopians. And, uh, and there inside of that city was a princess by the name of Tharbas, who was the queen or the princess or the daughter of the kingdom of uh, the king of the kingdom of Cush, which was Ethiopia. And uh, she, she went out on the wall and she looked down and she saw Moses and she fell in love with him and arranged a surrender to Moses if he would marry her. And uh, supposedly he did. Now, this may be tradition. It may be, you know, that part may be, part of it might be right, part of it might be wrong. The Bible does say, interestingly enough, that Miriam and Aaron were very upset at Moses because he married a Cushite woman. Was it this one? We don't know. But uh, in other words, he married an Ethiopian woman. It probably was not Zippor because she was not Ethiopian. She was from Midian, which is the east of, of Egypt there, and it's not anywhere near Ethiopia. Ethiopia, I think, runs up a little bit north there. <clears throat> but anyway, um, so, uh, so it's just an interesting story. But undoubtedly, Moses was a man <clears throat> of, um, of great skill, of, of all of that. But in the midst of this, the second point that is so important about his raising in the house of Pharaoh is that he never gave in to the temptation of Egypt. You got to understand, he was nursed and raised by his real mother. He lived in the home of Pharaoh, but he was taught by his mama. And his mama taught him truth. He was nursed and raised, and all the time she was the nanny. She was probably in the house. She was, and, and every day they walked out. At night he went in and did certain things as he grew older. But he would, she would begin to tell him about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, about the promise of the Canaan of Canaan land, and that yes, we live here in Egypt, but this is not our home. This isn't where we're from. God has promised us a land. It's over yonder. You go a little bit north and, and you get up there and, uh, and, and and there's a place up there that flows up with milk and honey and, and it's, got, it's got great things in it. And that's our home, Moses. This is not your home, Moses. Uh, you live here, but this is not your home. Amen. And, uh, and so she taught him that. And he never gave in. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 chapter, By faith Moses, uh, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God and then to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. If you haven't read Hebrews 11, you ought to read Hebrews 11. And this part is so great. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense yeah. of reward. I feel that through all of his pampered life, and he had a pretty pampered life, I'm sure. 
a life of royalty that his mom's teaching burned through. Acts the seventh chapter said he was learning all the wisdom but his, of Egypt, but his mom's teaching burned through the wisdom of the Egyptians and made him determine that he was going to live up to his identity as a Hebrew because that's what he was. Amen. He might have had all the clothes on him. And he might have walked in the presence of all the hoity-toity of the Egyptian um, classes. But he knew what he was inside. He knew that the blood that flowed through his veins was not Egyptian blood. <clears throat> he knew the blood that flowed through his veins was Hebrew blood. And so, so, and it's fascinating because you need to understand something. As he grew up in the home of, uh, and I'm just teaching here, okay? I'm just talking. Um, as he grew up in the home of, of Pharaoh's royalty, another thing was uh, was attempted to be burned into his conscience and into his psyche, and that was that Hebrews were unclean people. You want to talk about anti-Semites? Those folks were anti-Semites. The Hebrews were shepherds, and the Bible says when they first came there, they moved to Goshen to be away from everybody because every shepherd was an abomination to the Egyptians. They always had somebody else take care of their cattle and their sheep because it was an abomination. So that right off there, it was it was a uh, uh, they, they were shepherds. They were foreigners. Foreigners are always bad. You know how people are about that. They oh they're foreigners. They're or, or the American way to say they're foreigners. <laughs> but uh, they you know and so they were foreigners and they were shepherds. Not only that, but they were slaves. So they were the lowest of the low. And the Bible says that here is, you, you, you can see, Moses is here. And he said, I don't want this because that's what I am. Because these people can't really see what that is. You have no idea the destiny of these people. You have no idea the power of this story and their God. And so he chose not the pleasures and treasures of Egypt, but the reproach of Christ and the affliction of the uh, people of God because he knew the truth. And so time goes on. And uh, my time is going on. The Bible tells us that he saw an Egyptian man smiting a Hebrew and he looked this way, he looked that way. That's what the scripture says. Look this way, look that way. <laughs> my, my grandmother, my grandmother used to grab my head and go, look this way, look that way. Dictator, dictator, dictator. And I never did figure it out for years and years. I was wondering what dictator had to do with anything. What it was, you looked this way and you looked that way, and you dig tater. You're still in tater. That's why. It took me years to figure out when she grabbed my head. Look this way, look that way. Dictator, dictator, dictator. I said, Oh, what you doing, Grandma? Whatever. <laughs> well, he looked this way, he looked that way, and he killed the Egyptian that was smiting the Israel, Israelite there. And then the next day he comes in, he, and yesterday he's... Now, you, you need to understand something about Moses. This, this wasn't necessarily out of character. Moses fought wars. Moses had probably st stuck swords in the golden of people. He'd seen a lot of bloodshed. And, and he's like, no, this ain't going to work. Bam! The next day, he's a peacemaker. A couple of 
Israelites are punching it out. He comes over and says, hey, brother, don't fight anything. They said, what are you going to do? Are you boss over us? You're going to kill us like you did the Egyptian? And it got back to Pharaoh, and now Moses is on the run. He ends up in um, Midian, which is east of Egypt. Um, and he actually made quite an entrance when he came there. Yeah. There's not a lot said about his life in Midian. But he made quite an entrance. And I'm going to end here in just a minute. But And I'm probably going to teach again on Moses. Because there's a lot of... And, and, and I might work this in, Brother Nate, into the tabernacle down the road. <laughs> I'm just enjoying myself with some of this stuff. But I, uh, Sister Sondra, don't bring y'all like that. You're as bad as Brother CJ back when I taught him. The Bible says go sleep with on me while I say not to not to. <laughs> Yeah, well, I've done that a time or two myself. In fact, there's been a few times when I'm teaching, I felt like y'all too. But uh, <laughs> just give me a hard time. Says, love you. But um, so, if you want to thumb me on the head later, that's fine. But um, <laughs> so, here he is. He comes walking, and he comes up to a well. The Bible says, now when, uh, now when Pharaoh heard this, he thought, he thought, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priests of Midian, which whether you, you know, whether it was Ruel or Jethro, whether they had the same name, I love that name, Jethro, um, whether they had the same name. Is that your middle name? No. Just check. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> kind of went like that. I didn't think it was, but I would sure be great if it was. But um, <laughs> I wish. You wish. Yeah, Jethro's a cool name. <laughs> so whether it was Jethro or Aruel, or they were the same guy, or Jethro was the son of, um, of um, Ruel, there's a lot of different things, but it doesn't make any difference. He, this priest of Midian, and, there's, and I'm not going to go into that. There's, some people say that, that they did worship the Jehovah, Jehovah God. There were people outside that had an understanding or outside the Hebrews. Whether they did or not, but he was a priest there. He had seven daughters. They would come to the well to water their, their cattle, and they would take the water and pour it in the troughs is what they would do. And then the cattle or the sheep would come um, to, and the flock would come. And the shepherds that were around there were mean people. And they would drive them up. And so they would not get to, to water their flocks until the shepherds were finished. And they had messed everything up and just been a bunch of jerks and male chauvinist pigs and misogynists and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's a great word. But, uh, and, and, then, and then the seven daughters would come in. Uh, they, none of the girls carried nine millimeters or anything like that. So they were out of luck. But, uh, so here comes Moses. You've got to remember something. These shepherds were shepherds. Moses was a man that had taken cities over. If history is right, he had, he had and, and he just killed the guy without thinking twice about it. And he walks up. I don't know what they, the Bible says he drove them off. Which means he probably thumped a few heads. And he said, ladies, here's the water. They're like, oh, our hero. And uh, so... I mean, Moses was caught quite a guy. The most humble man, most meek. I didn't think about this guy. But he was mighty in words and deeds. The Bible says he knew God face to face. 
Right. Moses was, was somebody else. So he come in, and it's so interesting. He came there, and they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the, uh, of the shepherds and drew water enough for us to water the flock. I mean, this guy is their hero. And he said, where is he? And call him that he may eat bread. And he came. And the Bible says this. It's interesting. I don't have a lot longer to go, but Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses Zipporah, his daughter. And, uh, and then she bare him a son. He called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. And so there's not after that. There's 40 years or thereabouts when the Bible doesn't say anything about Moses. It's like it jumps. It's like 40 years. What did he do for 40 years? He was a shepherd. That's what he was. Now, I, I want you to notice something. God was preparing Moses through the whole ordeal. 40 years he learned about the Egyptians. Moses knew about frogs. He knew about all this stuff. We talk, get, we'll get into the plagues later. He knew all of, he knew that how that the river that would turn into blood was, was a god to them. And frogs were a god to them. And the sun was a god to them. And they had all these gods. And he knew when he came in and the plagues began to fall. And we'll get into that. But he knew all about that. He learned all of that in 40 years. He learned, he learned how to lead people. He learned how to, to fight. He learned how to do all the things he needed to do. He understood administration, sometimes not really well, because his father-in-law had to come in and say, hey, I got an idea for you later on, but we'll get into that. He learned, he learned a lot of stuff. And then he comes out of all of that, out of the royalty, out of the, the wonderful life living in, in Pharaoh's household and all of that. And now he's a shepherd. We're not talking about taking a vacation. It's the hardest work he's ever done. Every day and every night, he's on the job. He doesn't have vacations. He doesn't have days off. He's got to take care of these guys all the time. Gets them into the pen, everything like that. And uh, he's leading them to water and pasture. He's protecting them from wolves and bears and lions. Uh, he's searching for the lost one and tending to the injured. God used this same job to develop David. Yeah. Come on. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. Come on. Amen. And so it was hard, hard work. But through all this time, there was time for contemplation. There was a lot of alone time. There was a lot of time. when, when And the Bible doesn't speak about God talking to him until 40 years later. Amen. But I believe that God dealt with him. Amen. And in his mind and his spirit that, that God was working on him. I believe his mom had let him know. She didn't know either for sure. But she let him know. I believe the reason that God delivered you is because God has a plan for your life. And in the back of Moses' mind, through the 40 years in Pharaoh's household and 40 years, amen, in the desert and in the wilderness, Moses was thinking, God's got a plan for me. But I have a feeling that after 40 years it was starting to get a little stale. Amen. You want to know something? God in those years was building something in Moses that he could not build in the gilded halls of Pharaoh. Hear what I say. God was building something in Moses that he could not build in the gilded halls of Pharaoh. 
Some of the greatest things that have happened to people are in the wilderness. Amen. It was three years in the desert and sometime in Damascus that God was able to teach the Apostle Paul. Amen. It was in a cave where God spoke to Elijah. David spent five years in places like this. The cave of Adullam, Mizpah of Moab, the forest of Herod, Kelia, the wilderness of Ziph, the wilderness of Maon, Ingali, the hold, the wilderness of Herod, and back to the wilderness of Ziph again. And all this time, Saul is chasing him, and he's writing Psalms. Jesus spent 40 days of spirit, drove him into the wilderness. Amen. And Jesus went there. If you look at each one of these, Saul became Paul and walked out and became the apostle. Amen. Elijah, God spoke to him and great victory was won there. David came out of that and became the king. Jesus was 40 days in the wilderness and when it was all said and done, the Bible said, and Jesus being filled full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. The Bible says that he returned in the power of the Spirit. He walked in full of the Holy Ghost, but he walked out in the power of the Spirit. That's right. Amen. Hallelujah. It's in these places, it's in the wilderness, where God can make a man or a woman what they ought to be. It's in those difficult times that hunger and thirst becomes acute. You're never hungry in the backward halls of the world. Come on now. That's good. Amen. You're not passionate for the things of God in places of comfort. Come on. That's good. It's in the wilderness that God begins to speak to us. Forty years. Move along, little lambs. Move along, little doggies. Move on. Let's move on. You can see there's some discomfort beginning to creep in there. Because he says, I'm going to name my son Gershom, which means I'm a stranger in a strange land. Even early on, it's like, I don't really belong here. But here's where I am. I'm content to dwell with this man. And here's where I am. But there was a yearning for something. And about this time, the Bible says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God. How things are about to change for Moses right there. Forty years of training in Pharaoh's house. And now 40 years of training in the backside of the wilderness and pushing sheep around. And he comes to the mountain of God. He doesn't even know the significance of that place yet. You know what that mountain was? Mount Sinai. Yeah. Yeah. He was going to become intimately acquainted with this place before right. too, too, too long. Mm-hmm. But right now it's just a place he took the sheep to. Something was about to happen. Let's just stand and worship the Lord. I'll finish later on. Amen. God, you are worthy. Lord, we love you, Jesus. God, we praise you. God, we praise you, Lord. We 